0: right Mm -hmm. and you're gonna stay over here all right oh hey (coughs) all right um glory to god um for all that he's done doing and going to do grateful for another opportunity to be before you guys and to just give to you what god has laid nearest to our hearts on today um, as we continue in our, um, peace and purpose series, um, in the first, um, first part of the series, we talked about how we are all looking for Christ, but we seem to be looking for him in all the wrong places. And that part of the problem of the human condition is that we are seeking peace and purpose. Um, but we don't know who we don't know who we're supposed to be seeking it from where we're supposed to be seeking it from and how to obtain it and how to possess it in a way that is satisfying to the soul um, and so last week we start our we started our journey of understanding uh where peace and purpose comes from by first asking the question who is god uh, because we all have these finite ideas of who god is and Quite frankly, all of us have a finite idea because we're all human and we have these finite minds, but we serve an infinite God who has given us enough information about him through his word that we can then determine who he is um, by, the, by virtue of the Holy Spirit if we just know how to look. And so last week, we talked about how God is all-knowing, all-powerful, um, ever-present and self-sufficient And although it felt like a sad thing to hear us say that God doesn't need us, um, it it also gave us a reason to rejoice because despite not needing us, he still wants us. And because he wants us, that should give us reason to rejoice because he could just as easily decide and determine, you know what, I don't care. I can wipe this whole world out, start all over again give us another, um, give, create a whole nother people. But instead he decided, I want to love you, the, the ones I created. Um, and as a result, we are still here. We are still present. We are still active force in his story. Um, the key to it all is that when we allow God to be God, it allows us to align ourselves accordingly, to accordingly to his purpose and his will for our lives. That we're not trying to bend him to our will, we're tr- that he um, instead he is bending us to his will. Uh, but we'll talk about that more as we move forward in our um, in our um, series because I don't want to jump ahead, um, even though it's still good news. Because man, to bend, bend, to be bent to his will, oh my gosh, it's just so freaking amazing. But anyway, um, so today what we're going to do is now that we have an understanding of who God is. We now want to understand who we are in light of Him, um, and so as a um, starting point, I want us to go to the book of Judges and um, verse number um, eleven of chapter two will be the base point. But I want—I'm going to show you guys a pattern of, of behavior throughout the book of Judges that'll kind of give us the baseline of where we're headed today as our, um, as our um, subject for this morning is called Wandering. So Judges chapter 2, verse 11 says, And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served Baals. Sir, you serve the Baals. Um, chapter 3, verse 7, And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Chapter 3, verse 12. And the people of Israel did again what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Verse um, 1 of chapter 6. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them in the hand of the Midians seven years. And then one more time. Um... Verse 33 of chapter 8, as soon as Gideon died, the people of Israel turned again and whored after the gods of Baals and made Baal Barith their god. And the people of Israel did not remember the Lord their God who had delivered them from the hand of all their enemies on every side. And they did not show steadfast love to the family of Jeroboam, that is Gideon, in return for all the good he had done to Israel. Um, Again, when when we fail to understand that God is the center of the universe, we will turn ourselves into the center of the universe and make our entire existence about us. That this little snippet of time in light of eternity becomes the focal point of our entire existence and our entire being. When we put God in his place and put God in his proper perspective, it helps us to have a better understanding of what it is that we're in search of in our our daily walk of life. Um, To understand this better, we have to go back to Genesis. In Genesis, God creates the entire universe. He creates the heavens. He creates the stars. He creates the planets. He creates Earth. He puts the water in the Earth. He puts the land in the Earth. He puts the trees, the grass, um, the animals, the, the fish, the, the the land animals, the bears, the mountains, and the lions, and all mountain lions, and the goats, and all them. And then on the sixth day, he creates man. When he creates man. Um, in Genesis chapter one, he says he says to um, the Godhead um, in verse twenty six, "Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth." So God created man in His own image, in the image of God He created him. Male and female, he created them. That should give us reason to rejoice because of all the creatures on the planet, God created us in his image. And and a lot of times, again, we want so badly to be the center of the universe, not realizing that God created us to resemble him. Now, whether he has this physical body like us as a spiritual being remains to be seen. But the fact of the matter is he created us to be the image bearer in our character, in our likeness. We are to resemble God, not be God, but resemble God. So in our resembling God, it is the close. It should be the closest connection we have to him. The fact that he created us from his own soul by breathing the breath of life into us and allowing us to carry his likeness and to carry his 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 being to carry everything about him. That should be enough for us. But unfortunately, for 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 Satan and all of the people that have all of the the imps and angels that followed him. Being like him wasn't enough. They wanted to be him. And as such, they deceived, Satan deceived Adam and Eve into believing the same thing. When they ate of the tree, he made them eat of the tree by deceiving them into thinking that they would be God. And it wasn't enough for them to be like him. Understand, it is a wonder to think and to know what is it like to be God. And so part of me, although I'm mad at Adam and Eve, because of all the stuff that they brought into the world, I can understand their curiosity. Though they were, created, they, were, they were created as perfect beings, it doesn't mean that they didn't have the capacity to not do something out of line with God, obviously, because they did something out of line with God. Their curiosity was not enough. Their curiosity was too much for their obedience. And as a result, they disobeyed God in the disobeying God. God was still telling his story of his steadfast love toward us that even while we were yet sinners, he's still faithful because even in their even in their sinning, he still covered them. He still protected them. He still guided them, but he did push them out of the garden out out of um, chapter three um, of Genesis, um, starting at verse 22. He says the Lord God said behold the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil now lest he reach his hand out and take also of the tree of life and eat he shall live forever therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken he drove out the man and cast at and at the east I'm sorry of the garden of Eden, he placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So, because of Adam and Eve's rebellion against God, despite being the viceroys and the chancellors of God, the image bearers of God, he drove them out because of sin and because of um and because of their guilt, he drove them out of the garden. And as a result of driving them out of the garden, They have been wandering, trying to find home, trying to find peace, trying to find purpose. There are a lot of us today in the world who um, are looking for peace and purpose, but we're also looking for a place and a people. And and I want to harp on that for a moment in light of some of the things that I've seen out in the world lately that because of sin and because of rebellion, God has, according to Ecclesiastes 3 and 11, placed eternity inside of our hearts. There's a big gaping hole in our hearts. I mean, a monstrously big hole inside of our hearts that nothing can fill. And we're looking to fill that space. We're looking to find peace, we're looking to find a place to call home we're looking for people to call our own and we're looking for a purpose to exist and in all of those things whenever we feel like those things are threatened, we fight to get those things and to have those things there's this, there is this 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 um there's this thing that's going out there right now where people feel like the United States of America is in danger and we need to take our country back, right? And at first it was infuriating to see it because it's like, take the country back from what? But when I thought about it, it broke my heart because what that told me was that there are people in the world who would much rather claim their country or their city or their state or their ethnicity or whatever, more so than they will God. They make that their thing. And because they make that their thing, their place, their home, when they see or perceive a threat against what they think to be true, they will fight against it In the name of the Lord, because they believe that God has given them this place, and this is the place for this is the place of God, and as a result, they have to fight to defend it. But again, I gotta stick a pin in that because God Himself said, Heaven and earth will pass away, and so nations have risen and fallen. Whether they were Christian nations or not, nations have risen and fallen because nations are still fallible. They're still mistake ridden. They're still full of evil people, corrupt people who are chasing after idol gods. And even we can turn Christianity into an idol when we stop worshiping God and worship the principles over him. The hypocrites that Jesus went after in his day were doing the same thing. They lifted up their nation more than they did God, and they lifted up their nation in the name of God, but they love their nation, and they love their traditions, and they love their practices more than him, and what that shows us is that we are constantly looking for a place to call home because we're wandering. We're wandering around trying to find something to call home, and when we don't anchor ourselves in God, we will turn anything into God as as a means to appease the longings of our souls. Again, going back to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, God has placed eternity inside of our hearts. And so we will turn to anything to give us some sort of peace within ourselves, some sort of purpose within ourselves to feel justified about the way that we live and to soothe the torture and the torment of wandering. Because whether we, whether we realize it or not, When we're going around chasing all of these different things in an attempt to make ourselves feel good or feel better, we're trying to soothe a spiritual longing of the soul. But without a knowledge of what that is, we will think that when when we get off one vacation, we got to jump to the next vacation. When we get when one job starts to irritate our souls, we all go, no, when you gotta go jump to another job, even though the irritation may just be that you don't like this particular person that you work with. We sometimes will feel as though um, you know our, our finances are not where they're supposed to be. And in an act of desperation, we go and try to make some money really quickly, and we do dastard things in order to make that happen. There's a longing of the soul. And without a knowledge of that longing of the soul, we will try to fill that thing with temporary things, things that are not meant to last, things that will not last forever. And even in the accumulation of them, we will still be left wandering, still be left wandering. Um, going to my notes. Um, when man sinned, it severed the bond between God and man, God and man, Command. man. And in so doing, we lost both peace and purpose. And so again, we look for peace everywhere. Looking out into the landscape of our world today, it's very easy to see that people are wandering again. Just go to TikTok. Let's go to TikTok. I love TikTok. This is not a bashing TikTok moment, so I don't want anybody to think I'm trying to be like, don't watch TikTok no more. I love TikTok. TikTok is great. We got a page on there, by the way. Shameless plug. But just look at TikTok. More so than in any other generation, people are looking for identity, looking for purpose, looking for belonging, looking for their people looking for an understanding of who they are. I was talking with this client and this client came in and he was giving me every diagnosis under the sun. And he swore up and down that he was the whole alphabet. I think I may have told you this before. I'm gonna say it again anyway. just was thinking he was a everything under the sun. And when I asked him, why did he feel like he was these things? He said, I saw a video on TikTok. I saw a video on TikTok. I saw a video on TikTok. I joined this community on TikTok. I was with this group on TikTok. And everything that they said in this video really resonated with me. It really resonated with me. It really resonated with me. And so he felt like he had 16 diagnoses off of TikTok videos. But he felt that way because it resonated with him. And it's the resonating. That is problematic for a lot of us, because sometimes, no, most of the time, if our souls are not anchored in Jesus, we will mistake feeling for fact. We mistake our feelings for fact, and because something resonates with us doesn't make it true, because with Eve, when he said, did God say you would surely die? It Resonated with her; it made her feel some type of way, but her feelings were not fact, because in her mind he didn't. He said he surely surely die. N- maybe not, but God clearly said, "If you eat this tree, you're going to die." And so again, our feelings we can sometimes mistake them as fact, but because just because we, something makes us feel good, makes us feel worthy, makes us feel loved, make us feel justified, make us feel wanted, make us feel like we belong, those feelings are not always facts. And as a result, if we don't have our lives anchored in God, we will find ourselves wandering from one good feeling to the next. Because what makes us feel good today may make us feel horrible tomorrow. And once it makes us feel horrible tomorrow, we now jump to the next thing, or the next job, or the next idea, or the next platform, or the next feel-good situation in order to make that feeling come back to us. It's the reason why people become addicted to, um, to, to drugs or become addicted to alcohol or become addicted to sex, become addicted to pornography, become, um, you know, zealous warriors on their jobs or feel that they have to have so many friends or they have to have so many relationships and this, that, or third because they feel like there's a longing in their souls that doesn't feel good. I had another client who. So badly to, um, to have children, but because she couldn't have children, she ended up buying everything out the store of baby clothes and, and baby things and all these things because she was trying to soothe the longing of the soul of wanting a child wanted to be in connection with someone so badly that she made these connections out of these clothing items that she bought, spending thousands of dollars that she didn't have so that she could feel some sense of peace within her soul over the fact that she couldn't have children the way that she wanted to or when she wanted to. That's what happens with us. When we wander around trying to find peace and purpose, we wander from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next in an attempt to create some type of peace within our soul, some type of purpose within our souls. When people are picking and choosing what pieces of the Bible and pieces of yoga and pieces of Buddhism and pieces of new age crystals and and sage and, and African traditions to try to piece together this semblance of a life that they want for themselves, they are wandering, trying to figure out how do I make my life work for me? So much so that we craft a God of our own imaginations in order to feel justified in what we do. Understanding Romans chapter chapters one and two tells us that, you know, that people who don't have a walk with God still can feel God because of the eternity that's wrought in their hearts. God placed that eternity there to make them look at themselves and say, I need something more than this. Which means there is a right and a wrong that every person on the planet, whether they know God or not, feels spiritually. And as a result, there are people who who know that this is wrong? They know this isn't the right thing to do. They know I should be doing something else. They know I ought to be doing, you know, the right thing. But they, but they're, but they're again to justify what they do, to justify how they feel, they make up their own God. Even if it's the God of the Bible, they make a version of Him that will allow them to be who they want to be. When Moses goes up to the mountain to go get the uh, to go get the ten commandments, Aaron and, and, the, and the rest of them are, are still on the ground. They're like, oh, he's left us to die. He, he left us to die. Aaron, we need to we, we, he left us to die. Like, what do we need to do? And, Aaron, and so they're like, we just want to make a God of our own. So they put gave all the gold to um to, to Aaron, and Aaron fashioned for themselves a golden calf for them to worship. And in their worshiping, They did everything but the things that God would have them to do. It would have been one thing if they worshiped this God, but then they were worshiping God like they were still doing the principles of God, but just worshiping the calf. But instead, they were worshiping the calf and doing everything they wanted to do which goes back to what we just said, what we said in the book of Judges. They did what was right in their own eyes. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. Every time their leader left, they did what was evil in the sight of the Lord because their minds and their hearts were still wandering, wandering around trying to figure out how do I make my life serve me? How do I make my life benefit me? And so again, we find ourselves looking for, searching for peace purpose, a place, a people, and as a result, we're constantly wandering from one space to the next, from one thing to the next, one opportunity to the next, one God after another, after another, after another, all in an attempt to try to soothe the longings of the soul. And the reason, again, why we do this is because God has placed eternity in our hearts. And as a result of placing eternity in our hearts, both peace and purpose, as well as a place and a people come from him. And because they come from him, nothing in this world will ever satisfy the longings of the soul. There's no marriage that will suit that will satisfy the longings of the soul. There's no relationship, whether it be a, a heterosexual, homosexual, polyamorous, polyandrous, whatever you want to call it. It's not going to satisfy the longings of the soul. There's no child you can have that's going to satisfy the longings of the Desiring a better relationship with your parents in the past. There's no pill that you could take that's going to make the anxiety gonna dial down or the depression dial down for you to be satisfied in your soul. There's no amount of sex that you can have that is going to cure the saddest, the longings of the soul. There's no amount of gratification you can get from one night of this or two nights of that or a vacation here or vacation there. That's going to give you the satisfaction that you're looking for in your soul. There's no amount of money that you can make that's going to satisfy the longings of your soul. There's no position on your job that's going to satisfy the longings of the soul. There's no video game that you can play. There's no movie series you could watch. There's no, bi- bi- there's no, you know, nine season show that you can binge that's going to satisfy the longings of the soul. There's no house you can buy. There's no car you can buy. There's no pet you can own. There's no hobby you can, um, you can participate in that's going to satisfy the longings Of the soul there's not even a nap that you can take that's gonna satisfy the longings of the soul it may it may, it may feel like it will but I promise you whatever problems you're trying to run away from from taking that nap are gonna be there when you wake up it's not gonna do it there's no night on the town that you can take there's no conversation you can have with your parents there's no there's no church that you can go to That's going to satisfy the longings of the soul. And what I mean by that is you can be in church, but still be in hell at the same time. Just being in the building is not enough to satisfy the longings of the soul. There's no, there's no ministry you can participate in. There's no, because I tell this story all the time. I'm going to tell it one more again. If you heard it before, oh, well, you had this girl that was dancing in the ministry at at this church and, I, and, and, you know, and she looked like she was tormented and troubled while everybody else was like, oh, my God, she's so anointed. And she definitely was because the word would not go out and return unto to him void. So it did what it was said to accomplish. But even though she might have had the anointing on her, she herself did not have a walk with God. And she admitted that during, during a Bible study when we talked about, you know, going to heaven versus going to hell. She said, I know I'm going to hell. And I was like then what are you doing all this for? What are you in the ministry for? What are you dancing for? And she said, because I'm trying to get a scholarship from the church. In order to get a scholarship from the church, I got to participate in an activity and I chose dance. And so again, you know, we can look like we have an anointing on our lives, but our hearts can be so far away from God. That's why I always say a donkey can be used by God to get his word out. So, you know, he can use anything in anybody. I was talking to this guy um last week And, you know, and by all accounts, he's worshiping a version of God, but he ain't worshiping God. But even through him, I got a word out of him, a word from him that was reminding me of what I needed to do in God. It wasn't that I was agreeing with him, the man who was giving me the word. I was agreeing with the word, agreeing with God. And so again, God can use anybody, but it doesn't mean that just because a person's being used means that they are not wandering because just as easily as they think they're worshiping God today, let God put them through some trouble. Let God send them someplace that they don't want. Let a person who has a a 5,000 people ministering, uh, but not have a walk with him, let God take them through some trial. Take him through some tribulation and see just how far he might fall. I'm not saying he will fall, how far he might fall if he's not anchored in God. Because again, it's because if he's not anchored in God, then when the winds start to blow and when the, when the rain starts to fall and when, you know, hailstones start to fall, where is your heart? Where is your faith? And sometimes we put faith so much in ourselves in others, in the world, or in this religious ladder that we're trying to climb, that we have forsaken our true love. And sometimes we even have to wonder whether or not we even knew him to begin with. And so man was created eternal, but we severed our eternality. So God placed again the void in our souls. So that nothing will satisfy us. And he did that so that we would always need him. We're always going to need God. Whether you want to believe it or not, you're always going to need God. I always find it strange when people who don't believe in God talk to God or talk about God. I had a friend a while ago who, you know, was saying, you know, something to the effect of, you know, won't he do it? Or, look at God. Or, you know, God work that thing out. But then to go have a real conversation with the person is like, oh, I don't believe in him. But you just, <laughs> you just look at God. Won't he do it? That that, that sounds like some God stuff to me. So who are you talking about? <laughs> this is the question I should have asked. Um, but lo and behold, again, our souls know it. And that's the key. Our souls know it. But do we have the desire, do we have the ability to put ourselves and submit ourselves at the feet of Jesus and say, I need you, because our sin ultimately is believing ourselves to be wiser, smarter, and more crafty than God. So our true punishment is expulsion out of home and wandering to find the peace and purpose in a broken world that is incapable of giving it to us. We think that we're wiser than God. We think that we're smarter than God. We think we know more than God. But in our knowing, God is allowing us to stay there long enough for us to become utterly broken, even though we're already utterly (laughs) broken. I find it funny when I'm watching these videos of, um, and I can't remember the guy's name. Um, I wish I knew it. I know his initials are D-U-C, but he's an apologetic, and he's talking to these people who are trying to prove him wrong. They're not up there to try to have a relationship with God or be curious about God or get to know God more. They're simply up there to debate this man. And every time someone gets up there, they are certain, I got him. I got him. Like, he can't get past this. But lo and behold, every single time a person tries, he, and I'm not trying, I'm going to make sure I say this right, he understands God enough to be able to rebut whatever the argument is Because because at the end of the day, your finite thinking, the wisest man on earth, God uses his foolishness to confound him. The simplicity of God is so much more combobulating than discombobulating than the wisest of philosophies. But again, because of our finite thinking, we think that we can outsmart God. We think we can outwit God. We think we know more than him, which would then justify us being on the throne. I know more than him. There are plenty of scholars who know more than him. But y'all forget, oh, we got scholars too. People that have studied this Bible for years. People who want to use the argument of, you know, well, the Bible's written by man. So was every other book. Every other book was written by man. So, Why, why do you feel that way? Like, hmm. Um, why do you feel that way? Every other thing that's ever been done in the history of man was done by a man. So why would they make this any different? Um, But again, I'm I'm digressing because I really like that stuff. The point is, we can think that we know so much more than than God that we put our absolute trust in ourselves more so than we do a God who... We can't comprehend, which is why the psalmist in Psalm 20 says this. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. And as a result of our wanderings, we find ourselves constantly trying to do again what we what we said in the beginning finding peace and purpose finding peace and purpose <laughs> because again what we what we don't understand is that again we have to believe we, we no we don't have to believe we believe ourselves to be so much smarter and so much wiser that we that our eternal punishment our true punishment is that we have been expelled out of the peace and the purpose that God has given us. He expelled us out of home. I'm glad <clears throat> because our home, can we t- our home is not so much a physical place. Our home is a spiritual position. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Thank you God. Our home is not a physical place. Our home is a spiritual position. Our home is in God. Our home is with God. It's not a physical place. It's not a physical person. It is a spiritual being, a spiritual connection, a spiritual anchoring, a spiritual tethering. That is our home. And we tore that by virtue of Adam and Eve's rebellion, but let's not blame them because even in our knowing that we still rebelled, even though we knew it, we still did what we wanted to do. We still did what we went where we wanted to go, acted how we wanted to act, judged who we wanted to judge, criticized who we wanted to criticize, made ourselves made ourselves feel like we were worthy, tried to justify ourselves, try to earn God's love, earn God's blessing went out and did everything we wanted to do. We partied, we, we we smoked, we drank, and I'm talking about, you know, getting crazy. I ain't talking about, you know, just kind of having a good time. I'm talking about going nuts. We did what we wanted to do. We call a spade a spade. And so let's not just say, oh, Adam and Eve messed up. No, you knew they messed up and still went and did what you wanted to do. Sometimes people even said, well, Adam and Eve messed up. So that means I can mess up, too. Only God can judge me. That should scare you. Yes, only God can judge you. That's the point. But again, we severed our home. We severed our spiritual position in God. And as a result, there is nothing in the world that we can do to pay God back. There's nothing we can do that will earn our seat into the kingdom. There are some people in the world who believe that we can earn our way in. But I'm go but going straight to the word. Again, this ain't me. This is straight to the word by way of Paul writing to the Roman church. He said, None is righteous. No, not one. This is um chapter three, verse ten. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. Can I press pause? Because, nerd note, Paul is quoting Psalms and Proverbs and all this. So, he ain't, he's not even saying this. He went back to the scriptures to say what he's saying. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruined in misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So even Paul says, ain't none of us worthy to get into the kingdom. None of us know the way. None of us have the way. None of us possess the way on our own. We don't. We, we just don't. And we don't even have the capacity in our own will, in our own power, in our own might, to forge the way forward to peace, to forge the way forward to purpose. Y'all are talking about clients a lot. I was talking to a client. The client asked me the question. He was uh, he can you no know, came to therapy and he was saying that you know um, I feel I, I feel so restless. Like I don't want to. When I get up in Monday morning, I don't want to wake up. I don't want to. I don't want to get up and I don't want to go do my job. I don't want to go. Like, once I get up, I'm good, but it's the getting up part. Like, sometimes I'll sit in my bed to the absolute last minute before I get up and go to this job. And I asked him, What do you think that not getting up out of bed is trying to tell you? And he said, I never asked myself that question. I said, Yeah, think about it. You have conquered everything, you have a great family, you have great children. They're off doing great things. You got a great job, making good money. You're in a good position. You ain't even entry level. You you mid management. Like you, you a boss of bosses. Like you're doing the thing. Your wife is good. She's got a great job. She's doing great things. Everything's all good and gravy. And yet, you don't want to get up on Monday mornings. Why do you think that is? You have everything you could ever ask for. You're not wanting for anything. Bills are paid. You got video games. You got a man cave. You're not wanting for anything. What do you think that unrest is trying to tell you? And he said, I'm going to sit down with that for a little bit and come back to you on that. Now, I know what's going on. But will he know what's going on? I'm saying that to say this. We're going to talk about it in greater detail next time. But the issue with man is that we're looking for the answers sometimes in all the wrong places. We know there's a longing in the soul. We know this ain't it. This Christian walk that we walk is not just for people who are struggling to become saved. You got successful people that are still struggling in their Souls. We're all looking for something. We're all wandering, and some of us are very successful looking in the wandering, but our souls are still deprived. Our souls are still looking, still hoping, still wishing, still waiting for something to give us an eternal peace. After the video games are played, after the, 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 the vacations are taken, after you know um, the, uh, the sex has been had, after the pills have been taken, we're still longing in our souls for something to soothe the longing, which means that we are utterly and totally lost in the wandering except we're not if we give our lives to Christ. And we're going to talk about that next week. (laughs) Most gracious heavenly father, we come before you saying thank you for another blessed day in your presence. Lord God, even though we ain't talking about it this week, We're still going to pray for it this week because we know that the fix is in. You are the cure. You are the fix. You are the answer. You are the solution. You are the fill in the blank. Everything that we need comes from you. Everything that we are comes from you. Everything that we have comes from you. So we're asking, Lord God, help us in our wanderings remind us and turn us, help us repent as we discovered last week, help us to repent back to you each and every day so that we are reminded to stay anchored and to stay focused on you. Lord God, we can't do it without you. We can't know who you are without you. We can't love like you love without you. We can't even know who we are without you. So we ask Lord God Help us in our wanderings. Help us to remember that even though we're living in a broken world, where broken people do broken things, it doesn't mean that we have to remain broken, that we can come to you and you can fill our hearts with the love, the joy, and the peace that you promised us all those years ago. Help us, Lord God, to strengthen the path, strengthen our feet on this path. So that you may continue to share share your word and share your love and share your joy to us in such a way to where we grow to love you more, to serve you more, to, um, to submit to you more. And Lord God, for those who don't have a walk with you, may this word touch somebody's heart that they may begin to grow in you much like we have grown in you. And we ask and pray, Lord, that you just continue to shine your light in such a way to where those who are wandering in the darkness can finally come home. Lord God, we love you. We praise you and honor you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.